Okay, hi everyone. Nice to hear from you again, or speak to you again. Uh, welcome back to Culture Bucket. This is episode number eight, right, Alex? Yes, episode number eight. Episode number eight, and today we'll be talking about TV. We've we've gone through some music stuff, we've done films, and now we're going to TV, the world of TV. Lovely. Uh, but first, we're going to do a little bit of a catch-up, because as usual, it's been a week since we last spoke, so we're going to do our culture catch-up now. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. So I'll start this week. Yes. Uh, it's quite simple for me this week, really. I've not listened to much music, mm. so I've not got anything to talk about there. I've not really read much. <laughs> I've just been watching things. Good. But not as many as last time, actually. I've watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven films. <laughs> That's only week. three less than last week. I know. I don't. I'm really letting the side down. Uh, I'll, I'll zoom through some of them because I want to talk about some of them a bit more. Okay. Uh, I watched last after after speaking to you last week. I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, great! Yeah, the original from 1974, which we saw together in a cinema. We watched together in a cinema. Yes, it was a good experience, it was, wasn't it? It remains probably my number two best cinema experience. <laughs> Why was it, is it? Was it because you were with me or because of the film? Um, a little bit of both. Watching it with someone who hadn't seen it before was was incredible, um, <laughs> and your reactions were brilliant. But then also seeing it on a cinema screen for the first mm. time, when you really had to pay attention, I realised what a good movie it is for the first time. Like it's it's an unparalleled horror film in my opinion. It's so so good. Yeah, it was good. The uh, dinner party scene at the end. Yeah. On a big screen where you're just watching like close-ups of an eyeball and things oh, like yeah. this. It's just so intense. And then the ending feels so cathartic as a result. Yeah, brilliant movie. Yeah, I very good movie. It. I'm, uh, you know, my first, I think it was my first slasher movie. <clears throat> Is it a slasher movie? Really? Um... It's sort of a contentious point about whether or not it's a slasher movie. It sort of is in terms of it being about a maniac with a weapon killing teenagers, but then it doesn't have some of the other stuff that you expect from a slasher yeah. movie. It's kind of a, a proto-slasher movie. I think it was the first time that I watched a movie and I didn't really care if people died. Um, yeah, they're not the, the best people. They're not the best people. They're Not that I want no. people to die, but in this scenario, I didn't really like many of the characters. And so I thought, no. oh, well, not great, but not that sad. No. Fair enough. Move on. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, it was a good film. And then I watched uh, Scream the next day from 1996, the original Scream, ah, directed by Wes Craven. Is that is that a slasher movie? Because I've seen that That's one. A, oh, that, that is 100% a slasher movie. Okay, so it wasn't my first slasher movie. Oh, no, okay. Well, yeah. Scream is like commenting on slasher movies in a way. It's kind of a... Mm. It's a it's almost a parody of slasher movies while also being a slasher movie. It's brilliant. It holds up very well. Matthew Lillard is 
underrated in that movie. Mm. Um, his career should have been bigger. Instead, he went on to be shaggy, but never mind. Um, and then I watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which is a pretty good kind of spooky horror film. Mm. After Midnight is a good film. And then I started watching something on YouTube, which absolutely terrified me <laughs> to my uh, to my core. Okay. Yeah. I watched something called Marble Hornets this week. Marble Hornets. Yeah, and I found out about it because of a... I mentioned it last week, I think, but I've been listening to a podcast called The Evolution of Horror mm. for a little while, uh, and they did a series on folk horror, such as The Wicker Man and Blood on Satan's Claw and stuff, which is my favourite little subgenre of horror, so I've really enjoyed going through those. And then they did an episode on like viral internet horror, mm. which uh, creepypasta and stuff like that, which is something I've never really been too interested in. Yeah. But they mentioned a web series from like a decade ago, it's like 10 years old, called Marble Hornets. Um, that they they recommended, and it's basically just it's a it's a YouTube channel, and all the videos on it are called like entry number one, entry number two, entry mm. number three, and the conceit of it is that a guy called Jay uh, has found out that his friend from university, Alex, it's set in America though, his friend from college, Alex, mm. um, has decided not to complete his student film he was making, and the student film is called Marble Hornets. And Jay says to Alex, what are you going to do with all the tapes you had, though? And Alex is like, oh, I'm going to throw them away. And Jay says, well, don't do that. Maybe I can use them. And I'll take them. And he takes the tapes. And then the YouTube channel is, it just has title cards from him explaining what's going on. And he's basically like, I'm going to look through all the tapes and upload anything interesting I find. And then as he starts uploading entries, he starts finding stuff on the tapes that kind of is a bit weird and creeps him out. Mm. And then as it goes on, a kind of a story builds. But it's all sort of found footage. And it was just made by free kids in america basically mm. who didn't have a budget didn't have anything behind them just had an idea and managed to create something that genuinely terrified me and kept me awake at night and i thought that was pretty pretty impressive so anyone who's not heard of it because the first video has got like seven million views i'm definitely not the first person mm. to <laughs> discover it um but if anyone's interested if it sounds interesting to anyone i would recommend it i think it's like an important work in the history of horror cinema that is very underseen mm. uh, due to kind of the fact that it's on YouTube. And apparently it eventually got made into a film, which is terrible and stuff, but the original YouTube series is um, just, just, yeah, just terrifying. <laughs> uh, it's split into three seasons. The whole thing's like nine hours long and I've watched the whole thing this week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Do you like being scared? Is there something that... What, because I, uh, I, it just genuinely, I don't like being scared, and I can't watch things like that because I, I can't sleep or I just, I, but do you, do you enjoy the being scared thing? Yeah, I like it. I think it's similar to uh, the feeling you get on roller coasters for me. You know, you're getting yeah. a kind of a shot of adrenaline, uh, and you feel unsafe, mm. but. Part, but you know it's in a totally controlled environment and nothing is going to go wrong. Wait a second. Roller coasters are not a totally controlled environment. They are. Well, there are accidents on roller coasters. I do not go. Yeah, are, I'm so boring because I got to watch horror films. I don't go on roller coasters. <laughs> right, but there's there's probably more accidents travelling to amusement parks than there are yeah, inside right. amusement parks. Right. Like, statistically... Yeah. They're, a, they're an incredibly safe way to kind of pass the time, safer <laughs> than driving around a motorway. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, 
you know, to me, it's like a, it is a safe thing to yeah. do. Even though obviously there have been really tragic accidents in theme parks and stuff. And you know, I don't, I don't, I tend not to go on rides in um, like. Um, you know, like local fairs that they have in parks yeah, and oh, stuff? Yeah, those are terrifying. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't feel safe on those. But in, like, a big theme park that's generally yeah. pretty well... And it's awful that, like, Alton Towers has had some accidents in recent years that were horrific and stuff, but generally you're safe. Anyway, horror <laughs> movies are even more so <laughs> a controlled environment. <laughs> Nothing is going to go wrong. But you can really scare yourself, and I do enjoy that. I do enjoy... I think it's that feeling of losing control slightly maybe of a situation mm. like you, you you are kind of tricking yourself into thinking you're in danger when you're not and it just i don't know i like the feeling yeah. i get from it but sometimes it goes too far very occasionally and marble hornets um i end up i had to watch the full nine hours of it in order to try and and then i could watch like the making of videos of it and stuff and then convince myself that it wasn't real in a way if you see what i mean wow um yeah so Okay. That was that was pretty good. <laughs> I don't think I could watch anything like that. It's all um cuz it's all found footage. Mm. It's all shot from like people's point of view and stuff and I spent a couple of days just watching hours of it. And then I was so creeped out at night that I went to bed with Peep Show playing on my TV. <laughs> uh Peep Show is the the British sitcom that's also filmed entirely from people's points yeah. of view. So I had a few moments where I fell asleep and then woke up and Peep Show was on, but I thought it was still Marble Hornets. And it, I got this incredible sensation that like Mark or Jeremy were in some kind of danger and something awful was about to happen. And it got this really weird thing in my mind where the two things just sort of merged together into this terrifying, um, quaint British sitcom. Wow. Which was weird. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, I, yeah, Marble Hornets has changed my life this week. What a what a what a film! Amazing achievement. Yeah. Uh, then the orphanage is a Spanish language uh, horror film from a few years ago that I watched for the first time. I thought it was okay. Some people really rave about it, but I thought it was all right. But worth checking out if you like kind of creepy ghost story type films like The Innocents or The Haunting, mm. or you know the more uh, the Guillermo del Toro type ones, yeah. like Crimson Peak and stuff. Uh, then another result of being scared after watching Marble Hornets, I went on Disney Plus and watched a film that's just been released on there called Magic Camp. Oh. Yeah, which is about a little boy who his mum gets him tickets to go to Magic Camp for the summer and he gets he learns how to do magic and everything is fine and no tall figures turn up and make everyone's cameras break. So it's 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 good it's good. I gave that three stars. It's got um Gillian Jacobs out of Community is in it. Okay. Which is kind of the main reason I watched it. And she's not, she's sort of just doing quite a a normal role. She doesn't get mm. to have much of the sort of charm that she normally has. Yeah. Um, she's very good in it, obviously. She's very good in everything, but it doesn't mm. feel like a Gillian Jacobs character. Mm. Um, and then Adam Devine from Workaholics and Pitch Perfect in those movies. He's also sort of okay. the star. Mm. Uh, and I, I kind of like him. I find him quite irritating sometimes. Mm. It can get quite annoying in the Pitch Perfect movies, but I also have a real soft spot for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was that was pretty good. Jeffrey Tambor's in it as well, which is a bit unfortunate because he's had some... I think that might be why it ended up on Disney Plus without much fanfare, because uh, he's had some allegations made about him in the last couple of years. But if you can, if you can ignore the fact that he's in it and he's not in it too much, it, it's, mm. uh, it's reasonably entertaining. <laughs> Then I watched Point Break, classic Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze movie. Great film. Then, for the first time ever, I watched Rosemary's Baby. 
Oh, I oh yeah, I've heard of that, but I've, I've, I haven't seen it. It was brilliant. It's oh, it's another it's another difficult one because it was directed by Roman Polanski, mm. who is an irredeemably awful man. Mm. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate, but you know, I don't know. You have to remember that, I guess. Mia Farrow is in it, and she's a she, Mia Farrow is an amazing person mm. um, who's done incredible stuff over the years, uh, and you know other people are in it really good. So if you ignore the fact that it was made by Roman Polanski, mm. and for some people they can't, and that's totally fine, and they, you know I support them in their refusing to watch any of his work and stuff, but I I know it's meant to be a classic, and I was interested to see it. Yeah, definitely. So I gave it a go, and it's it's absolutely incredible. Mm. It's such a good film. It's so weird and creepy, uh, and it's a, it's about a woman who moves into a new apartment building with her husband, and they meet their neighbours, and all their neighbours are kind of old people, and they're quite a young couple, mm. and her husband starts getting f- quite friendly with these old people, which surprises her, and then she gets pregnant. And maybe the baby is not born of human man. Maybe the baby has been uh, a result of some some infernal uh, coupling. Uh, it's terrifying. It's really scary. The old people in it who are like these devil worshippers are played totally goofy and it really works in a way. They're so silly and like... They're so not scary that it is terrifying because you know... Like, mm. as the viewer, you kind of know what's going on mm. throughout the entire film, but Rosemary doesn't, and it just makes so many situations where you're like, just don't do that, just get out of there. <laughs> but, yeah, a brilliant movie. Um, then the very last one I want to talk about is I watched an Italian film. Oh. Yeah, I watched a Giallo movie. Is that how you Giallo. pronounce it? Giallo. Which went, then we realised why they're called Yellow. You told me. Yes, it, because the original uh, sort of mystery TV shows and stuff that were of that type were all all had yellow posters. Apparently, mm. is what I was was what I found out, yeah, which the, is interesting. And the books are also the cover is also yellow. So you have a section in Italy with like gialli, and the book covers are all yellow as well. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've associated such a kind of you know neutral color or like yeah. happy color with um, quite violent murder mysteries. <laughs> Um, but I watched the film that supposedly uh, kind of popularised the genre in cinema. Mm. And it is the first movie by a director called Dario Argento, Ooh. who's a very famous yeah. Italian film director. And it is called The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Mm, yes. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Have you seen it? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really, really liked it. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, it's got this. Uh, it's got amazing. It's from 1970, mm. and it's just got some really uh, amazing imagery in it. It opens with. It's about an American writer who's moved to Italy to try and get inspiration, mm. um, and it's on his like last day, and he's just about to leave Italy and go back to America. And he's walking home at night, and he sees an art gallery, and he sees a woman being attacked in this art gallery, and then he gets trapped between. He, he tries to rush in to save her, mm. but. There's like a door that's open, a glass door that's open, then a glass door that's closed. And when he goes through the one that's open, somebody shuts the shuts that behind him, and then he's like trapped in an airlock almost, watching this murder happen, uh, and he's powerless to do anything about it. And it, it's yeah, it looks it looks really cool. Hmm. And then um, it just it's quite funny in a way how he then he's just an American writer. He's essentially a tourist who's 
about to go home. Mm. He just inserts himself into the murder investigation and the police, like, almost hire him as a consulting <laughs> detective and allow him to, like, kind of interfere in the investigation, yeah. um, which is really f- funny in a way. It, it's just odd that nobody ever questions it. It's just part of the logic of the film that it's allowed. Um, but that's exactly but like no, um, Murder, She Wrote. Like, she's only a writer, but she's always in every murder investigation. <laughs> and she was always helping out the police. Yeah, yeah, completely, actually. It's completely the same as that. Uh, and it's got a great bit near the end where he kind of discovers who the killer is and he just goes, oh, yeah, you're the killer. That makes sense because I remember now I saw you trying to kill someone earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts back to a scene showing you it from a different angle that they were trying to murder somebody. It's like, well, why did you... How did you not notice that at the time? It's really funny. Um... So, yeah, no, I enjoyed that, The Bird of the Crystal crystal Plumage. I'm going to try and watch some more Jallo movies mm. uh, soon, I think. Yeah. Um, I have I'm... never seen a Dario Argento film. Uh, you should check yeah, one out. Should, you should I definitely should. check out The Bird of the Crystal Plumage. Yeah. You know, it's considered a horror film, but it's not really scary. It's more of a murder mystery. Yeah, I think because I've always put him in the category of, like, a horror uh, director, I never give it yeah. any time, although I love no. Jalli, so... Maybe I should give it a... I never, I never thought about Dario Gento and Giallo. I always thought Dario Gento, horror. But It's funny because it's, it's, that's... From the perspective of, like, foreigners, mm. Dario Gento is, like, almost considered, I think, like, the father of the Jolly movie, along with um, Mario Bava. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that you'd be like, oh, I didn't know he did Jolly no. movies, because it's like... <laughs> he made, like, the one that made them popular. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you should definitely check it out. You should have a have a look at it. It's good. I will. Yeah. Okay. So that's everything I've got really to talk about this week. Um, Marble Hornets is the main takeaway from mm. that. Oh, oh. I'm still still creeped out by it. What have you been up to? So I watched Hustlers, which is a 2019 film with Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. And it's a mm. film inspired uh, by an article uh, on the New York magazine called The Hustlers at Score. Scores, not scores. Um, and, uh, well, the article was an account of one of the women in this um, hustle? In this, uh, how would you say? Con. Con, yeah. Uh, so in 2014, uh, four women and one man got um, caught for allegedly drugging men and uh, charging thousands of dollars on their credit cards. And yeah. uh, so then uh, this um, journalist interviewed two of the women that were doing this. And uh, yeah. Lorraine Scafaria, which is uh, the director and writer of this film, read the article yeah. and decided to make a film of it. And yeah. she, instead of making a film of the the actual thing that happened, she made a film of this article, inspired by this article. So she didn't really yeah. go on the kind of uh, police records. It was just inspired by this particular article um, yeah and the film even features the interviews yeah, themselves yeah isn't it? it does it does and i uh, i think constance Wu is amazing in it 
and yeah. I really like Jennifer Lopez. Uh, there's a scene in Je- with Jennifer Lopez dancing, and oh my goodness, she is amazing. <laughs> She's so beautiful and so incredible. And, and I thought it was really good and quite empowering. You know, it, it, men have featured very little in this film, and it's all about yeah. the perspective of the women and. Um, these men were spending a lot of money on them and uh, this shows the crash of 2008 and how, you know, this crash created by these Wall Street men didn't affect them, affected yeah. the entire world, but did not affect the men on, on Wall Street because they still had their millions, but the everybody else didn't. And from mm. the crash, then um, these girls working in the strip club uh, decided to do this hustle, which was get these men, take their money, drug them, and take their money. Uh, but no, I really liked it. I thought it was uh, there was some really good uh, quotes in it about a modern society and how capitalism is is and uh, agreed because you know they want to make more and more money, and in a way that's why they get caught. Uh, yeah. Because in reality, I think they could have done that for a limited amount of time and be sorted for life. But once you have a bit of money, then you want more money and more money. And I think, and that's what um, Constance Wu character says, you know, they got greedy. And and that's why in a way they got caught. Um, But no, it's interesting. More money, more problems. Mm. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I really liked it. Yeah, I I like it. I watched it last year. Um, Yeah. Or no, earlier this year. I thought it was really well done. And I've, I've read a little bit after, and I know the the character that um, the person that um, Jennifer Lopez portrays. She's not happy with the film because uh, you know, not you can't make everybody happy. But um, so she's suing. Actually, she's suing Jennifer Lopez and the film. But I don't know for defamation of character. But you know, if Jennifer Lopez portrayed me, I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where she dances though is mesmerizing. Yeah, that character seems maybe a bit selfish, but, you yeah. know, a pretty strong person. Yeah, and then um, I watched a Japanese film uh, called Shinya Shokudo, or Tokyo Diner, which okay. uh, is the film of a series I watch of the same name. So there's a series called Shinya Shokudo, or Tokyo Diner, and they made a film of it, so I watched that. And uh, the series is about... Um, this diner which opens uh, from 12 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock in the morning uh, it, t- it tells the story of the master which is the the guy that owns the, sh- the diner and all the people in it and every episode there's uh, like a little new drama or a new character coming in or something so all every episode is pretty detached from one another um, yeah, I love it because it reminds me of our times going to bars in Japan and being there until silly o'clock in the morning and hmm. ordering food. And um, it's a really nice series. And the film uh, basically put a few, puts a few episodes together with one running theme throughout the two hours. And I thought, okay. yeah, and it's it's really it's really really nice. When you say it puts a few episodes together, do you mean it? A few episodes already existed. No, or... no, it, it feels like three different episodes, but then there's one yeah. running theme throughout. So uh, it kind of like the Digimon movie. Yeah, so it kind of it <laughs> kind of makes it a film by having one thing that ties everything together. 
yeah. it's a little bit too long in my opinion i think after an hour and a half it could have stopped because it stopped in a really lovely way but then yeah. then they added another bit which seemed like a new episode but by that point you already it's like you already watched two episodes and you're a bit yeah and you sort of got the point of what it was trying to say. Yeah, really. yeah. But I, I love the series and I really, I, I I think they've done three or four and I'm kind of wanting more. And so I was like, I'll watch the movie. <laughs> mm. And that's it for my culture this week. Interesting stuff. You've been, uh, yeah, very, very good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible stuff. Incredible scenes in your house this week. Um... <laughs> Down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Alex, what were you acquired to watch this week? I was acquired to watch my life as a courgette or my life as a zucchini, if you're watching it in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my homework for this week. The film <laughs> uh, is about this boy uh, that uh, has a, a alcoholic mother. Uh, an accident happens, and he gets put in a orphanage or maybe a safe house. Yeah. Uh, and um, the children, and then he. There's a lot of children. There's a few children in this safe house, and yep. it recounts the story of this boy in this safe house with these children, and uh, yeah, that's it really. And uh, it's um, yeah, and that's really it. Uh, it's just, <laughs> uh, but um, the first thing I noticed when uh, it it started, what I loved yeah. is when he's in his bedroom. Yeah. And the drawings all over his bedroom wall. I yeah. thought it was so realistic and so lovely and so pure. I just really enjoyed it from the first moment that it starts. Yeah. It's just, you could just watch it and enjoy it. And it, it was just beautiful. The, from the start, I knew I was going to like it. Even if the story yeah. wasn't, wasn't going to be good, amazing. <clears throat> It's just the the graphic. It's a beautiful film to look at, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. And um, so I, I really, really like that. And um, it, it starts already quite sad. You know, the kid is by himself and he goes downstairs and he starts collecting cans of beer. And I thought, oh, yeah. that's that's really that's really sad. And then he, he tries to... Um, build something with these cans of beers and yes. then there's a little accident and his mom gets angry and in that moment it reminded me of precious the uh, film precious i've never seen precious but i oh you should definitely watch precious but yeah. uh, it just reminded me of precious and i thought oh something bad is gonna happen and <laughs> it, it does <laughs> yeah and um but is it something i mean i obviously it's something bad but also maybe it's ultimately something that benefits courgette well you don't really want anything like that to happen to a child really there's a there's a line when he's at the police station where he says oh my diet my dad liked chicks because he he makes this um this uh, kite and he draws his yeah. dad on the kite and then at the back he draws a chick so he says uh he says oh why did you draw a chick 
I was like, oh, my mum kept saying that he liked chicks. And I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's a work on words that he liked other women, but he understood yeah, yeah, that yeah. he likes chickens. Oh, it was really yeah. sweet. Um, I, like, I like that the film never really clarifies exactly why the dad isn't in the picture as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's uh, interesting. Definitely. And it's surreal and is quirky. I, I like the, you know, the policeman, you know, is a policeman because he just has a, a band, a red band on his jacket saying police. But yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not no other thing that you think he's could be a policeman. And from the start, he's really lovely. And he is really lovely. The bits where he's getting water thrown on him oh, is so funny. So funny. <laughs> he's going, ah! And, um... The stories of the kids are heartbreaking. It, well, that's I, what I love about the movie is that the, it's so it's animated like such a kind of not even a children's film, like, yeah. a, like a toddler's film yeah. almost. But, the, but then it's, such real stories of these children, but told through the language of children, yeah. but you can intuit and infer oh. how awful these you know stories are. But and but differently from other films that you see, like an orphanage, everybody in the orphanage is incredible all the adults just show love and that's so different from any other film because it's really the kid goes to the orphanage and everybody's awful in the orphanage but here the kids are genuinely loved by the people in the orphanage like genuinely and there's so much love in that film and uh simon like you said last week you know you you think you're gonna hate him but things change um the, the bully. he's wonderful he's, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful. Person. <laughs> yeah. and the last scene where he closes the gate you go oh my god you're the most wonderful kid in the world and you had the crappiest time and yeah. um, uh when they talk about sex is hilarious <laughs> is your willy going to explode <laughs> it's yeah. so sweet it's just it's just just genuinely lovely movie full of love but the background of these kids is so dark that you can't, mm. you, you just, oh, it's just, I and don't like know. the girl, I can't remember her name, but the character who runs out and sh- shouts mum every time someone oh! turns up to the orphanage. Yeah, because her mum got deported. Yeah. Uh, but then when, you know, oh, and then later, later on there's a bit where you realise that she kind of maybe actually wants to stay in the orphanage. Yeah, yeah. Because they've all found support with each other. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful it's film. A beautiful I love the film. scene. I love the scene where they go to the ski lodge. Yeah, yeah. But when they see that mum with the kid and they all mm. stare at her, and that's the only thing that happens. Yeah. And then it shuts. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just a really beautiful film, and I really really enjoyed it. And I thought it was. It gives you a little bit of a hope of loving adults and. Uh, <laughs> kids being mean for certain reasons it's just a it's just a really lovely film and i'm glad i watched it it's actually it's a good it's a good film to teach empathy i think yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah but if i i don't know it it i can i can while i was watching it i was thinking okay it's long enough to be a children's film but the the message well, not the message, but what the kids have been through is pretty dark. Would yeah, it completely. be? Uh, would it be good for a for a kid? And then well, I that's thought an interesting probably one. it would, just because they might not understand it at the time of watching, but maybe they could understand that some kids go through a rough time. Yeah, 
Um, I like I like that it doesn't because I thought that while I was watching it, and I mm. thought about the fact that when I've seen it in shops like HMV and DVD shops, mm. it is always in the children's section, so it yeah. is a children's film. Mm. And but you can have that feeling while you're watching it that maybe it's not appropriate. But then I I actually like that it doesn't speak down to children. Like it's a children's film yeah. that treats children with respect. Mm, definitely. Um, and I really appreciate it mm. for that. Actually, that it, you know it it does it it it, it isn't. It doesn't show anything inappropriate necessarily, but it, it also doesn't shy away from kind of showing that the world is a difficult place sometimes. Yeah. But you know, there can love and love and hope and support mm. can be found. Mm. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I really liked, liked it. it. Yeah, it was lovely, and I love the. I don't know when they say courgette. It's like they say it with such love. Yeah, courgette. They call him courgette, and he just wants courgette. to be called courgette. And the adults don't try to fight that. They're like, yeah, we're going to call you courgette, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's lovely. It's really lovely. And I really enjoyed it. Merci Good. beaucoup, Monsieur uh, Georges. Ah, <laughs> uh, bienvenue. Uh, bienvenue. <laughs> La piscine. <laughs> Trois croissants, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> Je m'appelle ketchup. <laughs> Okay, great French, okay. great French. Yeah, I, mean, I always remember when I was a kid, we were on holiday in France once, and my parents brought a bottle of ketchup, and on the back it had a little cartoon picture of some ketchup saying, Je m'appelle ketchup. <laughs> and it made me laugh. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, my film, I had to watch mm. In This Corner of the World. Yes which is an anime from Japan mm-hmm. from 2016. Yes. Telling the story of a young woman named Suzu, mm. uh, who lives near Hiroshima, um, pre the atomic bomb being dropped on it. It's not a spoiler, really. Everybody's no. aware of that horrific event. Yeah. Um, and she's sort of it's she's an interesting character to mm. focus a film on because she's very sort of meek in a way yeah. at the start at least, and she seems very like not a very strong mm. person necessarily. Yeah, which is quite an interesting character to follow for a film because normally you would follow somebody who's very you know yeah. With it and together and but but no she and I guess it's it's being honest about maybe what it was like and what 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 life was mm. like for kind of an ordinary young woman in in that era of Japan. Mm. Um, but basically, she's you know she turns nineteen in maybe nineteen forty two or something like mm. that or nineteen forty three, and she <laughs> there's a scene where a boy just turns up and asks, says he wants to marry her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she just goes off to marry him and yeah. leaves her family. It's 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 totally random, but totally yeah. kind of something that could have could happen. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and it's 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 definitely it took me. So she marries this. It's hard to describe the plot because there can't there isn't a pl- no <laughs> there have isn't a plot. no. <laughs> she marries this guy, and then the the most the majority of the film is just kind of her living. In this town, yes, yeah. uh, I think it's going to be like twenty kilometers away from Hiroshima. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, living in this town and some, you know, it's during World War Two, so mm-hmm. some horrible things happen, but some nice things happen as well. Yeah. And then the most horrible thing happens. Yeah. And that scene is really because it's very. There's a very normal scene happening, and then there's just suddenly a flash of white. Yeah. And they don't know what what it is, obviously. No. But the audience knows exactly what it is, and yeah. then a few seconds later, a shockwave hits the hits the house, and yeah. they still aren't sure what it is. And it's quite. A, those scenes are very, really effective and yeah. affecting. But definitely, like it's showing what it must have been like to be in that area of the world, having had having no idea what has happened mm. and having no reference point to what has happened. Like today, if somebody dropped a nuclear bomb on a city, it would be horrific. But you would kind of know, potentially, you would know what, what happened mm. or you would you would be able to intuit what happened, but they just had no reference point for that kind no. of a weapon. No. And it's awful. And there's a horrible scene where they're kind of getting resources or rations ready to take to Hiroshima because this village is, you know, 20 kilometres away, so mm. it's, it's essentially... Not hitting the blast, but obviously, yeah, radiation fallout's going to hit them and stuff. But they don't know that, so they're getting rations together and stuff, and supplies to take to Hiroshima to help people. And it, you're just like, you're just thinking, there's no point. Like you've no. you've got no idea what you're what you're yeah. going to see when you get there. And they leave the house, and there's a there's a person sat next to the house mm. or sat against the house, just sort of sat on the floor, and they look like a monster from a you know they look like a kind of a monster essentially but it's, mm. it's meant to be somebody that was hit in the blast and has walked from there to there and it turns yeah. out to be somebody's son yeah um and that's really horrific and those scenes are really affecting and really sort of well done mm. but my kind of slight issue with the film mm. is that that is an hour and 40 minutes into it that that happens mm. and that is a long time to watch essentially not very much happen but that's why i like it because i think when you watch films about a second world war or like cartoons about or anime like that there's a lot of action and you only see that but this is like a normal life of a person that is living in this kind of situation and it's not all about being in the front line. It's not all about uh, uh, seeing the gruesome side of it. It's also showing normal people were there and were affected in different ways. And that's why I liked it because it's just, it was just, it's just a different depiction of that time in Japan, which I think is really important to see that, civilians suffer in this case but also civilians have to carry on with life eating twice a day washing the clothes uh live just just normal everyday life and i think that's why i enjoyed it because it was just different yeah i can see that and i know that you like kind of slice of life yeah sort of drama in that way mm. and i i don't dislike it but i definitely i feel like maybe and like 20 minutes less of that would have been okay with me if you yeah. see what i mean like mm. i don't i don't dislike that kind of thing mm. but i definitely kind of got to a point with that film because it's over two hours long which for an animation yeah. is mm. wild but um, like the character like the way she thinks is also quite different she's quite simple in a way isn't she 
Yeah, really and simple. The and, way and she looks at things, kind of in a childish way, I think that's also what adds. She's not a I, heroine. She's just this simple girl that is living her life during a really traumatic time in Japan. Yeah, and I I struggled with that a little bit at the start in terms of sometimes you're seeing the world through her perspective, and yeah. I found it impossible to understand what was going on mm. early on. Yeah, like there's a bit where she. She's with her new family in this town, Kure, I think it's called. Yeah. That she's living in. And then they say, oh, why don't you go back to Hiroshima and see your family? And it just cuts and she's with her family. And she says, oh, I had a dream where I'd left and married somebody. And I was like, wait, hang on, was that all a dream? But it wasn't a dream at all. She was just like, I don't know, joking or talking about how Mm. it's amazing that her life has changed so much. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, there were points early on where I found it difficult to follow the story, mm-hmm. which sounds really ridiculous because it is a really simple tale. Yeah. But there were just bits where, but no, I, overall, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought that the sequences towards the end were really heart wrenching and, and, and difficult, but really important to see. Mm. Um, it just was a little bit too long for me. Mm. And I, I, I didn't, love the animation style ah i i that's one i think i really enjoy about that film because it's quite different it's not as crisp no it's incredibly uh, simple yeah and i i think that's why i i don't know i think maybe because i watched so much animation i find i found it so different yeah it's definitely different yeah and I, i think that's why it really i really enjoy it and There's I think a couple if you watch of moments. It, sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I feel just like... to say... Oh, <laughs> you go. <laughs> no, you go. go you on. go. And then There's I'll tell co- Yeah. There's a couple of moments. <laughs> There's a couple of moments of really inventive visual animation. Um, like there's a sequence where she's watching uh, a fight, like a dogfight in the air. Yeah. But she's seeing the explosions as like paint. Yeah, yeah. Explosions, or there's a bit where she's looking at waves and sees them as rabbits. Mm. There's some really inventive little moments, but they're very few and far between. And I kind of wish, because she's a painter in the film, she's mm. an artist. I wish the movie was sort of doused in that. I wish that 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 mm. I wish every frame had that style to it. And you know, you saw that that was how she saw the world all the time. I'd really, I think, I'd have. I don't know. I really wish the movie had more of that kind of her interpretation of the world it was really interesting especially there's a sequence i don't want to spoil it because it's probably the most biggest mm. it's it's probably the, the part of the film that you you don't want to know about before you go in but there's a sequence that's very harrowing um mm. before the bomb drops yeah uh where she ends up uh unconscious and when she wakes up the way it animates her waking up is amazing mm. looks really really good um and i just yeah i wish there was more of that in the film because otherwise the animation seems very, like, <sighs> low budget almost. Hmm. Yeah, but the, the thing, I, it's interesting what you say about her, you you wanting to have more of a art thing. I think I think she, from what my perspective, I don't think she was allowed to be that kind of person because of the moment of time she was born in. You know, mm. she had to be a, a, you know, she had to grow up quite quickly and then war was going on and you can't just see the world that way because in a way you are a, you are a, a woman and you have to 
Look after the house, look after the husband, look after the fa- your fa- husband's family. And um, I didn't really see her as that kind of character, though, because they, they kind of... There's a scene where she's drawing and mm. some military police take her drawings and accuse her of being a spy. Yeah. And then the family all find it ludicrous that she could have been considered a spy. Yeah. And they kind of laugh and joke about how, what mm. a kind of airhead she is and how kind of detached she is and how she doesn't pay attention to things. Yeah. And I feel like that's what you're seeing in the animation when it shows that sort of painterly view. So I, I but that's I feel why she like has to be been... two people. But she, she's actually the hair, that like the simple girl. But also she has to be in society in a normal Japanese society. Which yeah. So you can't see her being like that all the time because also she's part of the society. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I, I see what you mean. But I feel like she would still be seeing the world as an artist, like you can't turn that off just because she was not able to express herself outwardly. Maybe. You could have, it would have maybe done more to show that that was what was in her mind. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I understand. Do you know there's a version, so it's called In This Corner of the World. Mm. Do you know there's a version called something like In This Corner and Other Corners of the World? No. That's half an hour longer. Oh, Wow. So I don't want to watch it, but you probably would be yeah, interested. Yeah, I would love to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it came out last year, mm. this extended version, and it's um, it focuses more on the relationship between Suzu and the sort of geisha, geisha girl or the sort of glamorous girl mm. that she meets in the town. Okay. Do you know who I mean? Yeah. Like apparently, she, and she, it's hinted in the film that she has appeared earlier as a sort of um, spirit, almost with wa- watermelon. Oh, interesting. So okay. yeah, it, it focuses on more on that. So yeah, that's something to look out for. I'll watch uh, it you. and tell yeah. you about it. <laughs> um, but overall, I was positive on it. I liked it. I just mm. felt it was a bit too long. Mm. Um, but I do like that cat. I do like seeing you know a simple story like that, well told, and it is. Mm. Good, good. Good. Okay, so that's our homework done. Yes. Time for a top five. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Top five. Top five. Top, top five. Who wants to start today? I'm, I'm going to start today. You're going to start today. Yeah. Today we're doing American TV shows. Yes. Uh, we've split it up sort of. We're going to do American TV shows and then British TV shows. And then purely because I don't watch enough international sort of foreign language TV, uh, we might do something on that later on uh, with yes. Alex. Yes. Where I educate you on international TV series. Yes. Do you mean Japanese TV series? Uh, yeah. Well, mainly <laughs> Japanese and maybe a couple of Korean but yeah, Japanese TV series. You're right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna yeah, but yeah, American TV and British TV are so totally different, and we've we've both of us have got experiences with both of those sort yeah. of things. So we're gonna we're gonna split it up like that, and we're starting this week with American TV. Um, I've got a Canadian oh, entry. I can we can accept that. Can it's we all accept North- that? Okay. North American. We'll say North American TV. North American TV. On North the other American side TV. of the pond. Yeah, because I've actually got... Uh, actually, one of my choices, it's not... It's. I think it's an American production, but the star is very much Canadian and it has a Canadian sensibility to it. So, yeah, we can go with that. That's absolutely yeah. fine. Um, yeah, so shall I start? Yeah, please start, Mr. G. 
Thank you. So my number one choice, no, sorry, my number five choice, (laughs) (laughs) my number five choice is a bit of a cheat in a way because it was created by a British comedian. It was created by Armando Iannucci. Well, then no. But it's an American TV show. It's, It's a HBO production. It's called Veep. Excusez-moi. Veep. V-E-E-P? V-E-E-P, yes. Ooh, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of it? I've never heard of Veep. Okay, well, Armando Inucci had great success in in England with various things, such as he helped create Alan Partridge. Yes. Uh, The Day to Day was one of his as well, satirical news show for back in the day. And he created a sitcom called The Thick of It, which is a British um, political satire. Mm. He then... Essentially, made an, um, he made it into a film called In the Loop, which is mm-hmm. an incredible film. Then he went to America and made a kind of an American version called Veep, which is all uh, centers on the vice president, hence the title Veep. Ah, uh, that's why. Sorry, because I saw uh, <laughs> Ju- uh, Julia Dreyfus, Julian Julia Dreyfus, Julia Louis Dreyfus, oh, yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Talking yeah. about being the vice president. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? You've never been the vice president. Of, and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, she talked about to Biden or something, but that's another thing. Oh, okay. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so she is, um, yeah, she plays the vice president and it's done very much, you never really know what political party she is part mm. of. You never really know anything about the president she's working for. It's entirely mm. focused on her and her staff. Mm. And, you know, I think 80% of White Works is her performance is absolutely amazing. Mm. Her, it, it's, it's an incredible powerhouse of a performance. Some of the rants she goes on are so creative and incredible. And to hear people swearing in an American comedy is quite unusual almost. Yeah. And like it's almost like operatic swearing in Veep. It's so creative and interesting. Wow. Similar to The Thick of It. The Thick of It, obviously, Malcolm Tucker is famous for his sort of huge rants. Yeah. And Julia Louis, Julia Louis Dreyfus absolutely takes him on in Veep with some incredible lines um, that I can't really repeat here, but uh, they are <laughs> truly phenomenal. And it definitely it falters a bit towards the end i think it's six seasons long in total but i mm. think i think ianucci left around season four okay. and somebody else took over and it's still it's still good like mm. i like it up until the end but definitely the the first four seasons or so are perfect television and okay. so so funny i was reminded of a line yesterday it actually wasn't in, in my top five until i saw somebody <laughs> quote it on facebook yesterday and i was like oh my god how could i forget veep and i had to make a really difficult cut <laughs> um, but it was it was worth it to put Veep in there because I just absolutely adore it. And like Julia E. Dreyfus is brilliant, obviously, but the the supporting cast are also mm. uh, really really fantastic and put in really good work. Especially uh, embarrassed, I don't know the actor's names, but there's a character in it called Jonah who is kind of runs throughout the series as well, and his character kind of grows as it goes along. And he is absolutely fantastic. And he's played by Timothy Simons. Jonah is played by Timothy Simons. You got Tony Hale from Arrested Development plays mm. uh, her sort of bag man, her right hand man. But not her right hand man in terms of helping her with any plans, like literally in terms of always being at her right hand with a bag full of like, <laughs> <laughs> tissues and things. Okay. Um, Anna Klumpsky is in it, mm. playing her kind of chief of staff, uh, Amy. Um, Anna Klumsky was in the In the Loop film. If you've seen that, she's one of the American actors in that mm. film. 
Uh, and she was also in a movie with Macaulay Culkin years ago. Oh, called... I love the film, My Girl. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it, as it goes on, some really good people turn up in it. So Gary Cole is in it for a while, mm. playing an absolutely amazing character. And, uh, yeah, I could just I could just talk about it forever. <laughs> <laughs> But I should probably stop. But yeah, it's 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 just brilliant. It's just the funniest series, and uh, yeah, it, it's kind of impressive because people would have people would have thought that um, the thick of it wouldn't work in America. Mm. But like they they change just the right amount of stuff and keep the other stuff that works, and it, it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, because yeah. sometimes when they take things to America, it just doesn't work at all. Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's, um, I think on YouTube you can watch the American pilot of Peep Show when they when they tried to do Peep oh, Show. And did they try to do Peep Show? Oh. Yeah, and it's the guy from the Big Bang Theory playing. One of the no, it's just no. It's really quite like, bad. Um, but yeah, it's a pity I can't quote any of the good lines from Veep because um, they're just too foul mouthed. But uh, definitely look up some compilations and uh, okay, you'll have a good time. Okay. So yeah, that's my number five, Veep. Good. How are we doing over there? Uh, so, um, before starting, disclaimer. Uh, okay. So, um, I've decided to put like the things I've done, I've enjoyed recent in recent years. So I didn't put like anything from a long time ago, uh, mm. just because maybe I would have I liked it really a lot. So I'm going to put those in my. Well, I liked it a lot, but now maybe. Not as much, but they're still part of my growing up. So yeah. I will put those in my honourable mentions. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've definitely got one that I was obsessed with enough when I was younger that it would justify being in the top five, but I've left it out because, yeah. like you said, it, it probably doesn't so, quite hold up today. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to put things I really <laughs> enjoyed in recent years, and I think they're really good. And they're probably going to be good for a very long time. Well, not all of them but some of them. <laughs> okay. uh, so my number five is a reality TV show, uh, an American reality TV show, of course, <gasps> and it's called RuPaul's Drag Race. Of course it is. Of course. I love it. Uh, so basically, it's really simple. It's a reality TV show in search of American America's next drag superstar. Bam, bam, bam. Um, uh, it's, be, it's created by uh, RuPaul, who's one of the most famous and iconic uh, drag queens. And in 2009, he decided to make uh, this uh, TV show. Has which it been was, going since 2009? I think so. Yeah, since wow. 2009. He decided to make this TV show, a bit like American America's Next Top Model. It's kind of got the same kind of thing that you have challenges and there are different contestants and uh, they fight against each other and until you have America's next drag superstar. And um, I really like it. I watch all the spin-offs, all uh, the main ones, the all-star ones, the celebrity ones. I watch them all. What about and the UK I one? Oh, the UK one is pretty funny actually um <laughs> right. there's one thing every se- uh, the seasons have which is called um 
snatch game where the contestants have to um, impersonate somebody and it's like a talk show and RuPaul's asks them questions and they have to answer in character of these celebrities. And the in American one is always a hit or miss because I feel in America maybe they're not, they haven't got the same sense of humor as the British one. But the British snatch game was amazing. 100% okay. top, top, top. You should watch that one. It's really, really good. So Snatch Game is always the, the hardest part in America's uh, version of RuPaul's Drag Race. And the English drag queens killed it. Hmm. Amazing. Like the series is not as good as the American one because the American one has more money, more glitz, more everything. But the Snatch Game, top notch. Close bracket. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really, I really, really like it because um, it, uh, it, it's entertaining, first of all, and it's uh, really fun to watch. And there's a lot of like tea and drama, and, uh, but also shows the lives and struggles of these drag queens of, you know, from struggles from being gay men and then being drag queens and uh, it's all a, a lot about also sisterhood and how they work together and there's a lot of arguments, a lot of love. Uh, it's interesting and it just shows you the life of drag queens and in a way this has brought the drag queen scene to the forefront of uh, culture and so yeah. these drag queens I think queens there's that, no way to argue against that like it yeah. 100% has done and these drag queens that maybe just had you know club nights in New York and wherever they are now yeah. they have world tours you know they even came to <laughs> Bologna Bologna where, where I live and they have world tours they have albums they have there's drag con it's it just it's just a cultural sensation isn't it just from wanting to create like a, dr a drag competition to something that is totally part of popular culture now so um i love it yeah i'm one of the ones that we was been watching it pre pretty much from the start and i introduced a lot of people to it it's like watch this watch this i introduced you to it you, you did introduce me to it yeah and you watched it i um, did and yeah, it's it's good. And what I like now <clears throat> is that they used to really concentrate on the drama and the kind of bickering. But in the in the latest seasons, they've they've tried to make it a little bit more less about the drama, about more about them trying to be together as a group of people and not create drama so you know sometimes mm. in these reality tv shows the producer would go ah oh, um go and ask this girl about this and then that is how cr you create a tv scene as, as a moment that people enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but i felt the last two seasons they tried not to do that as much to create drama but to create bonding between yeah. the the contestants uh, so well, i, I really this is the only time these two things will be compared, but I really, that's what I really, really like about MasterChef, the British version of MasterChef. Yeah. Where it really shows, and the Great British Menu actually as well, it shows the contestants really supporting each other and helping each other mm. out, and if something goes yeah. wrong, maybe they'll help and, and pitch in and mm. stuff. And, yeah, like you say, so much reality TV, especially years ago, and in, in the, you know, Drag Race used to be like this as well, would really try and focus on the conflict. Mm. 
um, because that's what they thought people wanted to watch. But I yeah. think they're, they're realizing now that people are just as happy to watch, um, you know, people helping out, supporting yeah. each other and getting along. So, yeah, no, that's good. No, I think that that's a really good point of that. But yeah. I love the music and uh, RuPaul, RuPaul has loads of his songs in it. Um, the Every episode there would be, there are two drag queens at the bottom and they have to compete with a lip sync battle, which I think yeah. is hilarious and amazing. Yeah. And sometimes RuPaul keeps both of them if they slayed or they get uh, gets rid of both of them if they did really badly or keeps just one. But, you know, it's, really really good and i enjoy it and yeah uh, and now lip sync battle is its own tv show as well right ah yes yes they have their own tv show yeah probably inspired by the success of maybe i thought it was inspired by more jimmy fallon than rupaul's drag race who was doing it first though jimmy fallon or rupaul's drag race it was was jimmy fallon so was jimmy fallon inspired by rupaul i don't know maybe I bet, I bet he was. That man's never had an original idea in his life. Really? Do you think Jimmy Fallon has never had an original idea? I don't want to. I don't want to start a fight, but I'm not a big fan. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. I don't mind him. Fair enough. <laughs> but one I day d- we'll talk about Jimmy Fallon and why you dislike him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of chat shows generally. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess. But particularly not his style of just sort of giggling. Oh, I think I, th- I find him quite endearing, actually. Good. We can agree to disagree. Yes. <laughs> so my number five is RuPaul's Drag Race. What's your number four, G? My number four is Tonight with Jimmy Fallon. Wow. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> um... My number four is the 2019 one-off TV series on HBO of Watchmen. Oh, great. Yeah. I absolutely adored Watchmen. I mm. can't remember. Well, actually, my number one is the... the I, there's only one other time I remember seeing like a serialised drama on TV and liking it as much as Watchmen, uh, but we'll mm. get to that later. Watchmen destroyed me like i read the comic book years ago yeah and loved it and then i watched the Zack snyder movie when that came out and didn't love it mm. and very much sort of yeah washed my hands of, of that version but still loved the story and then mm. i found out that they were doing a hbo series and it was going to be done by the guy who was a showrunner on lost and i was a bit mm. like oh, i'm not sure yeah. about that <laughs> But he also made The Leftovers, which I haven't watched yet, but I, people rave about The Leftovers and really love it. So I was like, oh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll work out. And then it, and then it, as it got closer to coming out, they started talking about how like it wasn't an adaptation of the comic, but it was like a sequel. And I was like, mm, not sure about that. Mm. Especially because Alan Moore has always kind of really vehemently not supported any adaptations of his work. Yeah. But for various reasons, DC technically owned Watchmen, so Alan Moore's kind of powerless to stop them doing stuff mm. with it. Yeah. Um, due to really unfortunate contractual agreements yeah. that he probably regrets making, but you know, can't be helped. <laughs> but then it came out, and it's it's a masterpiece. It's uh, some like so many so often nowadays they'll make a sequel or a remake or a reboot mm. or an adaptation of something that is so canonically adored that it's impossible to make something that lives up to it. Like you can't. Yeah. Like they're talking about how they're going to do a remake or a reboot of The Exorcist next year, and it's like mm. The Exorcist is. 
The Exorcist isn't a good film because it's about an exorcism. It's a good film because the director and the actors and everyone involved in the production of it were working at the absolute peak of their game. Yeah. You can't recreate that. Like, it's just impossible to recreate that. Like, maybe you could make something else that's amazing, but just remaking The Exorcist is is an idea that isn't automatically going to produce something good. Yeah. And it's true of so many things as well. And it's definitely true of Watchmen. Like, the idea of making a sequel to something that's become so beloved that people can't see criticism of it like people like people don't criticize the Watchmen comic book because it's it's perfect in a lot of people's eyes mm. and the fact that in 2019 he managed to make something that added to the mythology of Watchmen mm. in a way that felt totally um totally loyal to the original vision mm. but also was completely making a comment on the world of today. Mm. It's incredible. It's a it's a work of genius. Like there's, uh, there's I don't know how else to describe it. It 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 touches on, um, you know, racial equality, which is mm. obviously a huge issue at the moment in 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 America. Uh, it makes some. Along those lines, it makes some wild changes to what was established in the Watchmen comic, but in a way that still allows it to canonically exist within the world of the comic. Wow. Um, but but updated to modern times. Hmm. And oh, it's just... I just can't get enough of it. And it's a one-off at the moment. They're not planning another season of it, and I probably mm. think they shouldn't do another season of it. But yeah. then if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I'd have said they shouldn't have done it at all. So <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say, really, but... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's something that 100% should not have worked, but mm. works completely. And in part, works because the lead performance is so insane, so good. Is the, mm. the lead performance is absolutely stunning. Um, and the lead actress is Regina King. I think she won an Oscar. Yeah, she won the Best Academy. She won the Academy uh. Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2018. Mm. Um, and then pretty much followed that up with with Watchmen. And, yeah, you can totally see why she would have won an Academy Award. She absolutely controls the screen in Watchmen. Mm. But then it's got other people in it who are amazing. Uh, Chief among them mm. would be... Well, Don Johnson is very good in it. And somebody else is very good in it whose name I am forgetting... Oh, Tim Blake. Tim Blake Nelson plays a character called Looking Glass, who is absolutely fantastic. Mm. Jeremy Irons turns up um, playing a character from the original comic. He's really good in it. Yeah, it's just it's got a great. Oh, Gene Smart plays an FBI. Mm. Gene Smart is, but everyone is good in it. The story. I don't want to talk too much about the story because it's it's it needs to be kind of experienced, cold. Um, mm. I think it. The only thing I'm not sure about with it is if it works. If you haven't read the original comic book, does it stand on its own? I think it does, but I think it's not as successful. I think mm. if you really know the story of the original comic book, it comes alive in a way that it doesn't quite pull off uh, if you don't. But I think I think because most of the characters in it are original characters for the TV show, their mm. stories work, you know, in isolation away from the comic. But you get so much more out of it if you if you kind of know all the backstory from the comic book. Mm. So, yeah, it's quite new. There might be a bit of recency bias in it, but that is my number four favourite American TV show, Watchmen. Oh, and the, and the and the score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is mm. as, astonishing. Yeah, I just... Oh, I really want to watch it because I love the comic book. I, I really enjoyed the film. I don't, I don't know why. I, I really enjoyed the film as Fair well. And, but I can't get the, 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 this series anywhere here in Italy. 
And so I'm waiting to find an outlet that will allow me to watch it because I've been really wanting to watch it. When you told me it was going to come out, I was so excited. <laughs> and I'm still waiting because there's nothing... Because, yeah, but... I will watch it as soon as I can and be as excited as you because I love the comic book. Mm. Um, I thought it was amazing. And um, is is there anything about um, Alan Moore saying if he liked this one? If he liked Alan Moore, I don't. I can't. I don't think he'll have watched it. I don't. He won't watch it. No, would be my okay. guess. Um, mm. And at a certain point, like the way that I. Well, the the guy who made Watchmen, uh, Damon Lindelof, was made a point being like, lots of stuff today has been done with the Superman character. Yeah. That the person who originally created Superman probably wouldn't be particularly happy with. Like, yeah. Obviously, Alan Moore created these characters and has ownership over that original story, but equally, yeah. the history of comic book characters is that people create new stories with them, and mm. that they are a basis for loads of different stories. Yeah. Um, and so you know. I really like Alan Moore. He seems like an amazing man. I mm. like a lot of his work. Fair enough that he doesn't like adaptations of his work and particularly yeah. doesn't like adaptations of Watchmen. Mm. But I don't think that that should be an influence on anyone else's no, no. opinion. Of I was it. just wondering, because sometimes, yeah. you know, you're pleasantly surprised by somebody else's adaptation of, um, like, Philip, Philip, Philip Pullman. He didn't really enjoy the adaptation in film of um the golden compass yeah but he in he thought the the series was better so sometimes yeah. you don't you know having having the creator saying that they enjoy it is kind of no yeah definitely thing. yeah but, yeah uh, but then again i didn't really like the recent series adaptation of his dark yeah, material, but so. you're in a weird mood at the moment about Philip Pullman, so I think I think you need to give it another go. Because I am not didn't... in a weird mood about Philip Pullman. What do you mean? Well, you know the the newest book, the Secret Commonwealth. Oh, I see. I yeah. think I think you're you're kind of ha- but it happens. It happens that you you might you might be in a weird mood with like a writer that you liked a lot, and oh. maybe you need a bit of a break. Possibly, possibly, but I don't. I don't think that's why I didn't like the series. But yeah, maybe I'll give it another go at some point. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's my number four. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, an American TV series, haha, <laughs> uh, and is a coming of age TV series because I can't get enough of coming of age. Maybe there's something missing in my life, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's called Atypical. Ah, okay. Atypical. That's a Netflix show, isn't it? That's a Netflix show, yes. And uh, it's um, so it fo- the it focuses on uh, the life of an uh, eighteen-year-old uh, on uh, the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. Mm. It just it, it just focuses on his life, and he's uh, he's finishing school, and it uh, shows his life in school and how he deals with things, and he has a. Um, a therapist and uh he uh he talks about how he's feeling to this therapist and it's kind of in uh his voice talking about how he feels about the world and what he wants to do mm. um he really likes drawing and penguins and it's kind of something really typical of if you're on the autism spectrum just to kind of focus on something and become really good 
at it and have a lot of knowledge of it. Uh, but it doesn't only focus on him. It focuses on his family, uh, on some issues that his parents have, on his sister um, and things that might be going on with her. And um, he really wants a girlfriend and he falls, kind of falls in love with his therapist. Uh, but then he finds a girlfriend that is not on the, on the spectrum. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like he is the one with the most sense of all of them. Not that he wouldn't have the most sense, but, you know, when, when you're on the spectrum, you might be treated differently and stuff. But it's really, it's really, really good and gets better the more the series go on. Uh, the first season is a bit, um, you know, they're trying to find their feet in a way and it's really good, but then it, get, it, it starts focusing on the different characters more the more the seasons go on. And now there's three seasons and there's going to be a final season next year I think and um, it's got some good ca- um, actors in it it's got Jennifer Jason Lee as the mum Michael Rappaport Rappaport as the dad um, I don't really know the, the main character but it's Keir Gilchrist or something uh, and, uh, and do you know if he is he playing is he? Do you know if he has any experience, or is he on the autistic spectrum at all? Or? He is not, and okay. the first season kind of got a lot of a bit of criticism for not portraying more characters on the autistic spectrum disorder. Yeah. Uh, but the second and third series have got more characters on the spectrum. Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's actors who are on the yeah. autistic spectrum in the yeah. second. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good and that they responded to criticism and didn't you know just hunker down. Yeah, and it's it's good because the the first season he's uh, in um, in co- in high school last year of high school, and ses- in second season he's in uh, college. So it also shows like different um, times of his life, and uh, uh, the uh, one of the best moments is when he loses his virginity. But that's uh, something to watch because it's amazing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but I think yeah, I think it's really really good. Good. You haven't yeah, seen it. It's, no, I haven't seen it. I've always seen it on. I've always seen that it is on Netflix, mm. and I think the last I'd ever read about it was that sort of criticism of it. Yeah. Not you know fe- actually featuring a- actors who are on the mm. on the autistic spectrum. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that they responded to that criticism. Mm. You know, and 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 sort of fixed that issue. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, it's definitely something I'd be interested in watching, mm. especially hearing that Jennifer Jason Lee is in it because she is yeah. a fantastic so... actress good she's yeah. amazing and she's really she's really really good in this really really good that's good so yeah my number four is atypical nice choice okay so next up my number three yes uh my number three is a comedy uh starring a canadian comedian called nathan fielder mm-hmm. and it's called nathan for you oh uh, it's a sort of it's half a reality TV show in the vein of um, maybe a bit like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. You know, mm. he's meant to be a business expert who goes in <laughs> and helps yeah. out businesses yeah. uh, that are failing and comes up with. But it's 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 more of a it's a comedy really because his ideas are normally quite poor. Yeah, uh, or at least interesting. So, for example. There's an episode, and they're real businesses, it's not scripted, they're, they're yeah. genuine businesses. So one of the most famous episodes is where he convinces a petrol station or a gas station in America that's uh, struggling to 
to sell gas for under a dollar, I think it is, or, mm. or, or incredibly cheap, but it's only after a rebate, so you have to pay the normal price and then you can apply for a rebate to um, to get the money back, essentially. And yeah. obviously loads of people turn up to get the cheap petrol, they find out it's about a rebate, and he sets it up so that the rebate box that you have to put the form in is on top of a mountain. Mm. <laughs> the idea being that no one's going to actually bother climbing the mountain to mm. fill in the form, so everyone's going to end up paying normal price, so he won't actually lose any money, but he'll get more customers in. Yeah. Um, but then it's a really good example of how good Nathan, or how unique Nathan Fear is in a way, because it, it mm. starts off with that initial idea that's, mm. that's funny on the face of it, but it's just playing a prank on people. But then he yeah. actually finds a small group of people who are willing to climb the mountain to do the box. So he puts on a coach and takes them up there and mm. leads them on this hike. And mm. then they get to the top of the mountain and he's like, right, now you have to find the box and by answering these riddles. And it takes so long they end up having to stay overnight. And then it has these scenes of these total strangers sat around a campfire with Nathan talking about their lives and kind of becoming friends. And it's it's mm. weirdly sweet in a way. <laughs> Um, and in the end, none of them can like that. None of them find the box, and they all go back down the hill. But there's this bit where they're like, "But I suppose you know the real thing we've earned is the friendships we've made along the way, or something like that." And then he goes back down to the gas station. He's like, "Oh, nobody filled in the form. Oh, one person filled in the form, and the joke is that it's him." Hmm. So he gets the cheap. Nathan gets the cheap get petrol. But then he, I can't, I can't remember why it comes up. But he's talking about how one of the people who climbed the hill wasn't very well. And the gas, mm. the petrol station man owner says, oh, did you tell him to drink his grandson's urine? And then it's like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you drink the, the urine of your grandson. It makes you better. It, 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 it's good for you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did it. And he gets a picture of his grandson. He's like, yeah, I drank his urine. It made me better. I always drink his urine. Oh, And it's totally real. This guy's just telling me. And Nathan has this incredible ability to kind of get people to admit to really odd things or just find mm. find what is unusual or strange yeah. or interesting about somebody. Mm. And it's just so deeply funny. But then mm. quite often the joke ends up being on Nathan. Like there's this running thing throughout the series of like, he never has a friend. He can never make a friend. And often he'll like, his schemes to help businesses will be more about trying to find a friend for himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, he gets called the Wizard of Loneliness at one point by a really <laughs> horrible guy. Um and it's kind of weirdly heartfelt and it sort mm. of has a, this story that goes throughout the whole series of him being yeah. quite a lonely man. Uh, but he's so clever. He's so, so clever at like mm. pulling these stories out of people. And then the final episode is a feature-length film that's a documentary about somebody who is in one of the earlier episodes that is so good that it, it just it stands on its own as a film. It's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing piece of work. I don't want to spoil too much about that, but it's called Finding Francis, and it is yeah. incredible uh, that he pulled it off. Uh, so, yeah, I really love Nathan View. I think it's one of the funniest things that's ever been made, uh, particularly in the realm of, like, sort of fake camera prank comedy shows, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I think it's the cleverest one of them ever, and it needs... it's. It was on Comedy Central, so it doesn't have a, as big an audience as it could have had, but I think mm. he's been... Uh, Hired by HBO now to make a series, so hopefully, oh, you know, if he can, if he can repeat the same magic, he he should get a much bigger audience because um, mm. he is he is a genius, Nathan Fielder. So yeah, that's my number three pick, Nathan. For you, I really love it. Yeah, I think you showed me an episode or something once, and it's one of those things that I find really cringy. 
Yeah. Like, I know the guy is really clever and everything, but it's just portraying the silliness, silliness of humans. And I find it really bizarre. It's a bit like, um, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Managed to do that. And I can't watch his stuff because it's so, it's real, it's reality. Like, these people are real. And yeah. I find it really cringy and I can't, oh, I just, and he's so good because he's so serious. Uh, is his name Nathan? Yeah. What you showed me was interesting, and but oh, I just found it so cringy. And that now that you just said, you know, he said that he drinks his grandson's <laughs> urine. Oh, it's, who would admit to that? Oh, well, exactly. Just, but it's all it's, real. It's crazy. It's real. I can't. Oh, it's. But yeah. Good uh, choice, and occasionally man. he he has um schemes that end up blowing up to the point where they're on. They end up in the news and stuff and on TV. <laughs> Uh, and That's they, they the always make really good episodes. Oh, it would give me such anxiety. Oh, um, <laughs> I've watched it, so you can't make me watch it for homework. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, right, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is um, a Canadian uh, okay. TV series um, created by Catherine Reitman, who also stars Catherine Reitman, and it's called Working Mums. It mainly follows uh, the lives of four uh, women and they all meet in this um, child care. It's like a mum-child uh, mom day centre where you just kind of spend time with your child. Yeah. And um, it starts in the first season they they spend a lot of time there and they're in a circle talking about different things and then it just uh, develops in... Uh, them going to school, the children going to school. And um, it's really interesting because it shows uh, the struggles that mums, the different struggles that mums go through. You know, the main character uh, and also the creator. Uh, She, uh, you know, she's a career woman and she wants to do anything for career, but then she's got a child and uh, uh, the husband wants another child, but having another child means your career being over for another nine months. Yeah. And uh, then there's another character that kind of uh, doesn't want to be a mother, uh, struggles with being a mother. There's one, but not struggles in the postpartum kind of struggle, but struggles because she doesn't really like her child. And then there's another character that has postpartum depression and it shows what that, effects has on the person and there's one that um is struggling with her teenage daughter so it kind of shows the what women go through having children it's not as simple as having a baby and carrying on with your life it's just the decisions that you make but it's a really funny comedy and there's some really interesting bits uh, that are quite cringy but also interesting to see on tv and what i found weird is that when I was trying to find details about it mm. it's really simple it says oh the life of these four women trying to juggle love life and career blah 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 yeah but there's nothing much about it it yeah. feels like it's just a tv series that is kind of put on the side because it just talks about womanhood and parenthood yeah and but it's not it's really interesting and funny and real and it's it's good to see 
I find it interesting that there's not much information about it and it's not it doesn't seem to be very popular and it doesn't seem to have really good reviews about it but I think it, it just well it's, it's interesting just... it's an interesting thing because on on account of it being kind of even if it wasn't originally a Netflix show, it's on Netflix now, so it's yeah. sort of a Netflix thing. Yeah. And Netflix put up so many new things all the time that yeah. it can be so easy to just... It's impossible to know if something's going to be brilliant or terrible. Yeah. Like, they've just mm. put up a new show that it keeps advertising to me called Hoops, which is like some cartoon thing. Yeah. And the, all I know about it is the picture that comes up with the name of the show, and it looks terrible. But it, <laughs> It could be, it could be like Pacific PD, which I think is awful, mm. or it could be like um, uh, Big Mouth, which I think is really good. Mm. And there's no way for me to know, obviously, without watching it. But sometimes, you know, I don't watch everything that Netflix puts up, so I'll wait yeah. and see if I see people talking about it or if reviews are really positive. Mm. And sometimes things just won't get reviewed at all, like Working yeah. Rooms, and that for that reason, you might not ever try it mm. out and it just kind of vanishes and it's so weird to think that hundreds of people collectively will have put together this tv show yeah and then it just ends up being dumped on netflix and nobody watches it it's bizarre yeah um so well done you not well that's not so patronizing so... <laughs> you, you always tell me well done but it's I know, fine sorry. no but i i just watched it by mistake i just really enjoyed the trailer because i thought it was a little bit different something different to watch and i i thought it's really really good as something definitely yeah. and she some... is from comedy royalty as well yeah. Catherine Reitman like her yeah. dad directed Ghostbusters like she yeah. and her brother She's... directs films and is really famous and well respected and it's odd yeah. that her show yeah is kind of ignored and she's really funny on she has a recurring role on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that she's yeah. really funny on yeah so um yeah, yeah but that's the thing and, and maybe my conspiracy theory and that is because it's about women in a way and women struggling and women being career orientated and necessarily not wanting children uh it could be that i think I, there's, I think there's an element i don't think it's too much of a conspiracy to say there is an element of that to society yeah. of women, women being ignored so yeah. that's what i think with this working mums i think it hasn't had enough of a platform well no it has netflix but enough of um people reviewing it and saying that it's good well you're reviewing really it good. and you're saying it's good yeah, yeah definitely something that should be watched and maybe you don't like it but something that should be tried yeah for yeah. sure okay cool <clears throat> my number two your number two my number two is an American comedy. It is similar to Veep, an adaptation of a British comedy, but unlike Veep, oh. I... <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah, I think you do. I, I think it surpasses the original in every respect. Um, yeah. It is the American remake of The Office. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. I definitely think that it just surpasses the original, but that's the only thing I can agree with you on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love The American Office. It is my sort of go-to comfort place i can put it on and just feel happy i think that all of the main cast uh michael scott john krasinski uh jenna fisher rain wilson uh are incredible and give performances that are you know all-time good comedy performances i think the supporting cast um really add as they come out more and more as the seasons go along it becomes better and better as these people build up their characters and and uh the series the story kind of continues 
And yeah, it's it's the story of a paper company in Scranton, Pennsylvania, being led by or that this regional office being led by Michael Scott, who is their manager, who's not particularly good at his job, <laughs> and uh, it sort of focuses on him and his his staff, and I love it. It's funny and heartwarming and. In that sort of school of American comedies that includes Parks and Recreation, The Good Place, um, Shit's Creek to a degree, mm. and uh, there's, there's many more. But in that kind of school of American workplace comedies, for me, The Office is the best one. And it shouldn't have been because the first season of it is a straight, well, close to a straight adaptation of the British one, and it doesn't really work. And I'm so glad that they gave it a chance and allowed it to become its own thing because it ends up being far, far better than the British mm. one ever got, in my opinion. And some people still love the British one. Personally, I've kind of gone off it, but um, mm. yeah, I think the American one is, is brilliant. I know that you're not a big fan, but uh, yeah, no, I like of it. either. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to say. Well, <laughs> I definitely prefer the American one, um, but I I don't particularly like it. Fine. I don't like your hair. I don't like your beard. <laughs> Tough. I'm keeping it. Yeah. I'm gonna rub my DVD. But now, the now I feel really bad. Yeah, I don't. I, I, my personal opinion, I don't like it. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than I, I, I like it. It's pretty fairly easy to watch in most places. So if you've never seen it, give it a go. But yeah, it's not easy to watch. It's cringeworthy and really like oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe he said that. Oh, I can't. Oh, is it not? I meant as in readily available. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I find it easy to watch. I think it is easy to watch in the way you meant as well. But uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how we go. Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, what's your number two? My number two is we already talked about this series on um, another episode of Ooh. albums or artists, I can't remember. And it's Big Little Lies. Oh, Big Little Lies is fantastic. Yeah, uh, Big Little Lies, which stars, has an incredible cast. The Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern. Zoe Kravitz, etc., etc. That's just the main uh, women, and uh, there are five women with different lives, different expectations in life, which, but all connected by a murder, which until the last episode you don't know that is happening. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the second season. Ooh. But um, I still can say that this is my because f- I think. It could have just stopped at the first season because it was so good and it's so interesting. I think you should watch the and second season, though. I, I yeah, like I will. Season. I will. But I, I, I was thinking, oh, should I put it in because I've watched the second season? But I, I just love this uh, film. I, uh, film. I love this series from the music to the relationship between the women, the the way it's filmed. Uh, it's really, really good. And how... In the end, they all come together um, from being quite separate entities. The women, in the end, they come to all together to be like a sisterhood. Maybe, maybe that's my thing at the moment, just to uh, love and being together. I think that's a good thing to have. Regardless of choices and 
anything. Um, but I, I think it's, it's really, really good and um, different from anything that has been made before. I yeah. love with yeah, I love it's so, if, with like you said, it's focusing so much on the on the female characters and yeah, empowering those female characters. And I think it's I think Reese Witherspoon, her production company made it, I think, and she's all about sort of you know yeah. telling stories, telling yeah. women's stories as opposed to men's yeah. stories, which is you know still as we've talked about quite a rare thing. Yeah. Um. So there's, there's and I new... really like that about her. I think she's really oh, she's the best. Amazing. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you know about? Do you know about her new series on Amazon? Uh, big fires everywhere. L- little fires everywhere. <laughs> little fires everywhere. Yeah, I've seen. It. I haven't watched it though. Have you seen it? Um, no, I haven't. But I've heard a friend of mine was telling me that it was good the other day. Uh, I've heard mm. it's going to be really good, so I might check it out. I think again. Yeah. It kind of came out and got sort of slightly wishy-washy reviews. But mm. as we've noted this season, you can't or this episode, you can't always trust. No, um, trust those reviews. So not at all. Yeah, no, worth because giving a go. like if you look at reviews of uh, Atypical, my number four, and and what it talk, talks about, there's so much, and the it came out the same time as Working Mums. So what's the difference? So no, I think I'll I'll have a look at that. Yeah. But I think Big Little Lies is good, and it's. Like like working mums, it just shows uh, different families and different portrayal of women in different kind of situations. And um, how, uh, how women can be judgmental as well and how anybody can be judgmental. There's one of the characters that is suffering incredibly in her household. and But from the outside perspective, she has a perfect life. But in reality she hasn't yeah um and then you think how can you why why don't you get out of that but you can't get out of that so it's it i i i like it yeah, yeah and the no. music is amazing it has really good music in so it. Yeah. good yeah um, and michael kiwanuka is in the opening credits he is and he's his song is brilliant and obviously you know the focus rightfully so is on the women but just to very quickly say adam scott and oh, what's his name? Who's the actor? Alexander. Alexander Skarsgård. Adam Scott and Alexander Skarsgård are both very, very good in it as well. Um, uh, he is amazing, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, his performance He's is such a good actor. Yeah, intense. And I hate him in it <laughs> so much. And every time I see, and I complete and utter repulsion I have of him in that because oh, in that film, Seriously. and I. Yeah, sorry. In that series. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Good cast, good music, good story. Um, it's just a good series. Well, yeah. My only complaint with series one is that it doesn't give Laura Dern enough to do. Yeah, but still, she's pretty. She's always there because yeah. you always think because her performance is so good oh, so that good. she's always at the back of your head thinking, "What the hell is she going to do now?" Yeah, but that's the reason yeah. why I think the second season validates itself just by mm-hmm. bringing her more to the fore, more you know, more in line with the other uh, actresses yeah. actors in it, and uh, she is mm. great in the second season of that show. Mm. Really, really good. And Meryl Streep mm. obviously is is, is you know. <laughs> Meryl Street, Meryl so Street. she's really good in season two. <laughs> cool. Number one. Number one. All right, my number one favourite American TV show. Now, we've talked about music. Yeah. We've talked about films. 
Yeah. I think the number one on my list this week would be on my number one list of just everything. Just everything okay. that exists okay. in the world, this would be my number one. Yeah. <laughs> if you see what I mean. Okay. Um, I love this TV show and everything that's kind of grown up around it more than basically any other pop culture product that exists. <laughs> and I'm, I, I okay. don't know if I can even talk about it because that's just... Yeah. There's two, uh, anyway, my number one choice is... Um, I can't say it. Why? I don't know. Hang on. My number one choice is the TV show created by Mark Frost and David Lynch that aired in 1990, Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that for a second. It is a... It's a mystery show. It's It's a horror show. It's 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 sort of the inciting event that starts it all off is that a high school girl called Laura Palmer is murdered and then found wrapped in plastic on the edge of a lake. Mm. And special agent Dale Cooper from the FBI turns up in the small town of Twin Peaks to investigate her murder and try and uncover what happened. But mm. to to describe Twin Peaks as being about that is 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 like saying that um, the Bible is the story of a carpenter. <laughs> it's just there's so much more to it, and yeah, it ran for it ran for one perfect season in 1990. They brought it mm. back for a second season, and because day well, there's a whole load of reasons, but kind of the most commonly cited one is that David Lynch didn't want to ever reveal who killed Laura Palmer mm. because it was this big, incredible mystery that, that that kind of was like the fuel for his story that allowed him to do all these other things. The network insisted that he reveal it because, you know, yeah. that's how stories work. Essentially, I think they were just yeah. like, David, this is a story. It has to have an ending. And he was like, no, no. What if it was the stars twinkling on a on a coffee? Anyway, um, <laughs> so they reveal who killed Laura Palmer in the second season. And it's not a very kind of exciting reveal necessarily and the series yeah. he kind of lost interest in it it all sort of falls apart a bit he came back right at the end and made a perfect finale episode that kind of ties it up uh, and also leads into a season three perfectly and season three came along 25 years later or over 25 years later he finally him and mark frost finally returned to do uh what was known as twin peaks to return but he's really just the third season of twin peaks mm. and it is that that season, that third season, is my highlight of Twin Peaks. I think it's perfect. It's nothing that anyone wanted it to be. It's David Lynch being allowed to do whatever he feels like doing at any yeah. moment, and it is glorious and joyful and terrifying and everything you could want it to be. Part eight of that season is probably my favourite episode of television ever, and the final episode is... Mm perfect and i love it and i love everything about it and it uh they did a film of it that doesn't quite live up to how good the series is but there's a film as well uh mm. and uh there's books i've read all the books and i listen to the soundtrack all the time because i love it and it's just the best <laughs> Carl mclaughlin as agent cooper is one of the all-time best performances in anything he's funny and weird and oh, just wonderful but then you've got you know Sherilyn Fenn is in it, playing 
Audrey Horn, she's wonderful. Mm. Um, Machin Amick plays Shelley Johnson, she's really good. It's just full of incredible people. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is the best. I love Twin Peaks. Good. You know, you know my history with Twin Peaks. Well, that you haven't watched it. No. Yeah. And that I've watched the film before watching the series without knowing anything about it. Yeah, which is uh, and it was terrible. Well, this was, well, it was a terrible experience for me because I didn't know what it was, what the hell was going on. Watching watching Twin Peaks Firewalk with me without without having seen the series is yeah, like unrestrained madness. I don't know why that happened to you. I don't know. It was in uni, my Italian next door neighbor was like oh my god i love debbie lynch we should watch it and so we watched it and it was uh very weird but why would you oh. anyway i don't know <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm upset i'm still upset that, that 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 you have an opinion on twin peaks based on the film alone because it's insane yeah but I'm okay with it. <laughs> but you're not, because you've got no idea what Twin Peaks is. No, you're right. You're right. Cool. Cool. Number one, Twin Peaks. I knew it, but I forgot about it until you started talking about it. It's like, ah, oh, of course, Twin Peaks. So. So, my number one. Yeah. Exciting times. So my number one um, is something that was introduced to me by you. And it's a spin-off of another incredible series. Uh, and it's called a Better Call Saul. Better Call, Better Call Saul. Saul. What a good yes. choice. Better Call Saul is the thing that I had to drop from my list in order to really? fit yeah, Veep on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, in my honourable mentions. Okay. I love Better Call Saul. Yeah. Um, I... I I really liked so Better Call Saul is the prequel or sp- and spin-off of uh Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh which was another incredible se- series which I watched I watched I think I watched about 3 seasons of it and then something really bad happened and I stopped watching it and then <laughs> I started watching it again uh about a year ago because that film about Jesse was coming out. Oh uh, yes. El Camino was coming out, so I had to finish Breaking Bad before watching El Camino, yeah. which I really enjoyed as well. And then also wanted to watch Better Call Saul, and I didn't want anything spoiled. Uh, so yeah, um, and it's the story of how Jimmy McGill uh, becomes Saul. Yeah. And uh, and everything that goes on, and uh, there's there's some new characters that were not in Breaking Bad, uh, like Kim Wexler, which is his uh, uh, lover, I guess. Girlfriend, I don't know. They have. That's kind I love of what I, relationship. one of the things I love about it is yeah, their relationship is so. They never define Amazing. it. They never. You never no. see them discussing it. They just support no. each other. They support each other, and that's one thing I really like about the series. It's just they support each other. They love the. There's definitely love there, but mm. she never tries to stop him. She yeah. always tries to protect him, and I really like that because it shows like a total partnership. I think, yeah. and 
he of course does really stupid things and but she she's always there to support him which i really like yeah but and also then, holds uh, him to account like she doesn't yeah she she's not like it would be very easy to to portray her as being sort of a victim almost of his yeah. mad schemes but it doesn't yeah. portray her that way it portrays her as just no. sort of supporting him in it and Letting him yeah. know when she thinks he's acting out of order and, and all this stuff. She's she is amazing in it. The actress that plays Kim is Yeah, she's so good. Yeah. So she's so a good. really good actress. Is, is it Rhea Seedhorn? Is that Yeah, Rhea Rhea Seahorn, yeah. Rhea Seahorn. And she mm. actually she doesn't do enough stuff. Like, why isn't she no. in everything? She's so good. There's a season of Veep uh, that she turns up in. because um, mm. Veep has some amazing guest stars, like Stephen Fry is in Veep mm. for a while, Hugh Laurie is in Veep and stuff. Mm. Um, and Rhea Seahorn turned up in it and I was like it's Kim from Vertical Soul she's going to be great <laughs> she's in like three episodes and she has maybe mm. two lines and I'm like oh. and this is after Vertical Soul like it's not like she's unknown when she's doing Veep and I was just yeah. like why are you so underusing her she's so talented she's so so mm. good yeah no sorry yeah she's the best no no she's amazing no I, lo- I love her I love I love that she's such an incredible character and then there's his brother Chuck McGill which is um, is a big a lawyer who has um, <clears throat> what does he what has he got he's got some kind of weird well he's got some mental health issues and, it's like a fear uh, of electricity isn't it yeah yeah which is totally um, interesting yeah and then um, Gus is in it yeah from Breaking Bad the crime lord yeah uh, with that owns the chicken place yeah and um, I can't remember the name. Mike. Yeah, Mike. And one of the best parts of Breaking Bad, Mike, one of the best characters in Breaking Bad, Mike, is back yes. and is Played. definitely more there. Yeah. Played by... Jonathan Banks. Yes. He's great. But yeah, it's just a story. And what, what I really like about it is just that it's not as intense as Breaking Bad, which I really enjoy. And it also shows what went on before um, Breaking Bad happened. Yeah. And just how everything was built before then it becomes Breaking Bad. Before and Walter I, White I, I storms really... in and just starts smashing it all apart. Oh, <laughs> and then you think, oh my goodness, Walter White is going to come in and just ruin everything. Just all of these people's lives are going to be ruined by this one selfish man. By... Oh. And that's the thing. Walter White is so selfish. Oh, I hate... Mm, never mind. Uh, but yeah, and I really like it. And I, I like... It just becomes better and better. The, mm-hmm. la- the latest season was so good. And I, and I thought that was the last one. But it's not. There's one more coming. No. And, and the new it's... guy they've got playing the villain. And I don't remember his character's oh. name or his actor's name either, which is embarrassing. But he's so good in it. And I'm so glad so... that he's going to sort of... Yeah. It's so good. He's just smiling and laughing and, and at one point Kim stands up stands up to him oh, in the that last sequence is just I and was you go, gripping my chair. Why? I was like, Why? Oh my god, <laughs> just run away. Why are you doing this? Run away. He's so dangerous. She, she owns him. She owns him. She yeah, is amazing. I love Better Call Soul. I love seeing how Saul used to be and yeah. why he's become Saul. And it's interesting because it feels, as a season, it feels quite slow. Yeah. But then it's not slow at all because I was reminiscing, I was thinking about earlier seasons the other day and, like, the seasons where he's kind of investigating the old people's home and he's doing yeah. bingo and things like that. Yeah. That feels like 
so different to what Better Call Saul yeah. is now. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that, and I really like what it is now, and I love that it's sort of it's gone. You've gone on that journey with him, and it, they've done it yeah. so well. And yeah, Jimmy McGill is one of the all-time fantastic TV characters and performances. <sighs> I think Bob Odenkirk is. Oh, it's so, so good. good. Similar to Jonathan Banks in a way, like nobody ever knew Bob Odenkirk was capable of uh, what yeah. he's done in Better Call Saul. He's he's yeah. absolutely yeah created yeah. A, a masterpiece. Yeah. And uh, no, I just I just really really like it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, Better Call Saul. It's strong. It should have been in my top five, really. I do adore it, but it's just... I, well, yeah. we got to talk about it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm glad that you told me to watch it, because I, I, I don't think I was going to. Well, it's I very easy so. to write off something like that. It's like we were talking about Watchmen earlier as well. It's just these things where they try... It feels like they're trying to continue yeah. something on longer than it needs to be. It can be quite yeah. easy to dismiss it, but... um. Yeah. But even El Camino was really good. So yeah. I think this bit, because it's such an, in, Breaking Bad is such an intricate story. I think it, it could be so, it, it's nice to see other things that have before, have influenced it. You know, you could, you could, you could easily uh, get the guy, uh, uh, make a film of the guy that sells the, um, the Hoovers. Oh, him. They're not called yeah, Hoovers. Yeah, yeah. They're called Hoovers? Yeah, the, 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 the guy who works for the Hoover repair shop or the vacuum repair yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah, the vacuum repair shop. You can easily make a, a backstory of him. There's so many characters in Breaking Bad yeah. that it's, well, I, it's interesting to see Very sad. Very you... sadly, that actor passed away, though, quite yeah, recently. Yeah, he has, um, yeah. That's one of his last on-screen performances, is turning yeah, up Yeah, yeah. I watched it after I found out they passed away, and I was really sad. Robert Forster. He was in uh, Jackie Brown as well. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, he's so good in that film. He was also in the first season of Twin Peaks. Ah, and he's a, was he? Yeah, well, because the the sheriff character from the original two seasons, the actor kind of retired mm. from acting and didn't want to do anything, and he would always mm. refused to kind of be in Twin Peaks again. Mm. So they brought Robert Forster in to play his brother as the sheriff, mm. uh, and he's wonderful in it. He's He's, yeah... His performance in Twin Peaks: The Return is is really really wonderful as Frank Truman. Mm. So yeah, Robert Forster is uh, sorely missed, mm. um, but left behind a career of amazing performances. But two two wonderful performances in Twin Peaks and Better Call Saul and Breaking mm. Bad like, later on in his career. So yeah, good. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Better Call Saul number one. number one. So I'll run down my top five one more time. Yes. At five, I had Veep. Four, Watchmen. Mm. Three, Nathan for you. Two, The Office. And number one, Twin Peaks. Excellent choices. Thank you. Number five, RuPaul's Drag Race. Number four, Atypical. Number three, Working Mums. Number two, Big Little Lies. And number one, Better Call Saul. Nice choices as well. Good work. Okay, I've got some honourable mentions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I've got some too. Okay, good, good, good. So I've got uh, American Vandal. Mm. is a Netflix uh, show that you should definitely watch if you've never seen it. It's kind of a parody of how to make... Uh, not how to make... Making a Murderer. I Think You Should Leave is a... Again, it's another Netflix show. It's a sketch comedy that's just really, 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 really funny. Um, Better Call Saul, obviously, we've talked about that. Chernobyl, I think, is the most effective oh, yeah. horror series that's ever been made, even though it's a, you mm. know based on a true story. It's absolutely mm. terrifying and horrific and uh, wonderfully acted. And Yeah, Chernobyl is, is brilliant. Uh, mm. The Walking Dead, which I'm watching at the moment, we talked about that a bit in other episodes, but I think that's really good. Game of Thrones, mm. 
no, I don't need to talk about that. Uh, Marble Hornets, <laughs> uh, I mentioned that earlier. Not really a TV show, mm. but um, I'm still in shock at how effective mm. that show is. Parks and Recreation, mm. don't like it as much as The Office, but it's good. Breaking Bad, obviously. Impractical Jokers uh, is just mm. fun, silly, fun, nonsense. Silicon Valley is another HBO comedy. Um, not not really similar to Veep, but kind of an adult comedy like Veep is uh, really good. Queer Eye on Netflix is brilliant. Mm. I really like Queer Eye. Um, yeah. 24 is the show that I we mentioned earlier in terms of, like, I used to be obsessed with it, but um, the sort of torture elements of it are a bit awkward in yeah. today's world. Not really ideal. But uh, mm. Kiefer Sutherland's performance as Jack Power is so good. Whistle and I'll Come To You, the TV ghost story from 1968, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, is incredible and worth watching if you've never seen it. The Haunting of Hill House is an amazing Netflix horror show. Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares USA, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen USA, Shit's Creek, and Big Little Lies. Boom. Those are my honourable mentions. Mine. Yeah. Uh, community, the first two seasons. The rest <laughs> can go away. Okay. Uh, Friends, uh, which oh, yeah, I love. Sorry. Uh, no, I just love Friends. I could watch it over. It, it hasn't aged extremely well there are some kind of jokes that maybe could have stayed in the 90s but it's good i like it um breaking bad uh and then good girls which is basically breaking bad but uh girls (laughs) and you were talking about matthew lillard before yeah 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 and he's in it in Good Girls. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's this. Uh, yeah, it's basically a bit like Breaking Bad, but not really. And uh, it's about these women that uh, uh, start uh, making some uh, crime. Uh, you should watch it. It's really interesting, actually. Mm. It's on Netflix. Okay. And uh, you were talking about Matthew Lillard, and he's really good in it. He's, 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 he plays the husband. He's also really good in the third season of Twin Peaks. Okay, so, okay. Uh, yeah. Then um, Maniac, which is a mini-series on uh, oh, Netflix. Oh, yeah, about... I couldn't finish Maniac. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting, very surreal. Um, I thought it was really good with Emma Stone. Mm, Atlanta, uh, Donald Glover's uh, oh, yeah. series. Gilmore Girls, because I love them. Yeah. I've always loved the Gilmore Girls. Um, story about a uh, mum and daughter and their lives in this beautiful, leafy, uh, small town in somewhere in America. The Good Place, which has finished. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. That, And I think I think it had one se- uh, season that wasn't great, but then it picked itself itself up yeah. uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine oh, love yeah. it I think it's hilarious about a precinct in New York um, and then the next ones are things that I used to watch when I was uh, younger and I watched for years but I'll always remember the titles and how I grew up and uh, one of them is Malcolm in the Middle oh yeah loved that I used to watch it there was I used to watch it every Sunday uh, Murder She Wrote Giallo, of course. Uh, and then the A-Team, Man- Magnum P.I., The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and MacGyver. Lovely These are my stuff. old school things. I remember two while you were talking that I totally forgot about. Uh, Love on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I don't like that one. Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs. Yeah. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer for old ah, stuff Buffy, that I forgot about. yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Love both of those shows as well. Oh, forgot about them. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. yeah, no, good good honourable mentions. I like it. 
Okay. Cool. Time for... Homework. Homework. So, what would you like me to watch out of your list? Um, I think you should work, watch Working Mums. Okay, I will do. Yes. So. Yes. And then if you ever have time, watch Atypical. But I think I would like uh, Mel's perspective on Working Mums. Okay, you'll get it. <laughs> and all the seasons are on Netflix. So. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how available any of my choices are to you. Great. Sorry. <laughs> um, if you can find it, I think you should watch the pilot of Twin Peaks. Okay, Twin Peaks, if I can find it. Yeah, the, just watch the pilot. Because um, it's not actually, like, episode one is, uh, I don't know, it's a weird thing. Um, but the pilot is like a 90-minute TV movie, essentially. Yeah, if you can't watch that, try and watch Veep. Mm. If you can't find Veep anywhere, um, we already know you can't find Watchmen. So, uh, from my honourable mentions list, you should watch some of the first season of American Vandal and tell me what you think of that. Okay, American Vandal. Because that's on Netflix, so you'll definitely be able to watch that. Um, but okay. mainly Twin Peaks, the pilot of Twin Peaks and Veep. If you can find either of those, you should watch some of them. But I will definitely watch Working Mums because it's on Netflix. Yeah. Boom. It. Boom. We did it. Oosh. Next week, we're going to talk about British sitcoms. Uh, yeah, or British TV generally. Ah, oh, yeah. Where well, you can swear, talk about body parts, <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Cool. So, thank you for joining us, everybody. If you'd like you to again. comment on anything that we have said this week, you can find us all over social media on Facebook at Culture Bucket Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook group called Culture Bucket Bucket Squad where you can come and join in the discussion. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Cult Bucket Pod. Our Instagram is Culture Bucket Podcast. And if you'd like to send us an email, and maybe we can start reading out emails at some point if we get any, um, culturebucketpodcast at gmail.com will take you to us. And finally, for any of our movie lists, or I'll try and get TV lists up on there as well, uh, you can find us on Letterboxd at, under Culture Bucket. So, yeah, please find us on there. Great. Join in this discussion. Talk to us. Let us know what you think about what we're doing, if you're enjoying it, if you think we're rubbish. All oh, comments are welcome. Not if we're rubbish. Well. If we're rubbish, just give us some uh, constructive criticism. Yeah, con con be constructive. So. Fantastico. Thank you for, for all that, everyone. We'll see you next time, or you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.